Welcome back to What Happens Next, the podcast that examines some of the biggest challenges facing our world and asks the experts, what will happen if we don't change? And what can we do to create a better future? I'm Dr. Susan Carland. Keep listening to find out what happens next. We know that things like digital multitasking actually has a negative impact on our attention and that's something that's rife in our work life these days. You know, we're in meetings and we're checking out emails. I think it's about knowing your attention system, knowing it for yourself and your own uh, particular uh, style, what, what drives it, what motivates it. Well, complex multitasking is one of the modern myths and furfies. The human brain does not pay attention to two complex things at the same time. I can stay focused on a YouTube video and get down that spiral and before I know it, four hours pass and that's not the best use of my time. In our last episode, we looked at how our attention is being pulled in so many different directions by the increasing distractions and demands of modern life. In this episode, we're going to find out how to improve our focus. We'll also hear about some of the ways our experts are helping children with ADHD. So stay focused while we again take a look at focus on what happens next. Dr. Hannah Kirk is a senior lecturer at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. Her work focuses on looking at the way digital technology can help improve our attention, particularly in children who have neurodevelopmental disorders such as autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. I'm Dr. Hannah Kirk. I'm a senior lecturer at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. Uh, My research really focuses on trying to create digital tools and evaluate digital tools that can support cognition and behaviours in young children, particularly children who are neurodiverse, so including children who have neurodevelopmental disorders such as autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. Hannah, welcome. Thank you. What is attention? There's a lot of different, I guess, explanations as to what attention is, but if we think simplistically, we can kind of divide into two areas. So we can think about space and we can think about time. Hmm. So in terms of space, it is where we are directing our attention, directing our focus. And in terms of time, it's how long Mm -hmm. are we spending time focusing on those particular areas. So it really involves skills like switching from one task to the next, filtering out distracting information, honing in our focus and maintaining focus for a prolonged period of time. And from a scientific or clinical point of view, do you consider attention and focus the same thing or are they different? Well, so attention is, there is an aspect of attention that is related to focus. So it's something that we would call sustained attention. So essentially your ability to maintain attention over a period of time Mm -hmm. would be more aligned with what we would define as focus. Tell us about the work that you do that studies uh, focus or attention, but also you've come up with some interesting ways to try to improve it. Yeah. So typically when, um, Children in particular have difficulties in attention. The most common treatment form is psychostimulant medication, and that can be really effective in the short term. But what we hear from parents um, is that they want more options, essentially. So our lab has been designing non-pharmacological interventions that use digital technology to essentially train those attentional networks. Mm. So we have a series of game-based tasks that run on tablets. Um, So it's an app. And children use those at home and basically repeat 
these particular tasks that we know tap into core retention skills. And the hope is that by practicing those tasks, we're kind of building and establishing those uh, neural connections around those tasks and increasing their proficiency on those particular attention tasks. Tell us how the game works. Like, what do you, what do the children have to do in the activities? Yeah, so we have a couple of different interventions. Our first one was focusing on attention in particular, and it was designed for children who have intellectual disabilities, so including children who had autism spectrum disorder, Down syndrome. Um, and the task, there was three different tasks. One of them was focusing on selective attention. So mm. that is our ability to focus on important information and filter out distractions. So they were presented with a series of fish on a screen. They're swimming around the screen. And they have to locate a particular type of fish. So a medium-sized orange fish. And we introduce distractions that are either similar or dissimilar to that particular fish that they have to find. So the task progressively gets harder. We have other tasks that look at sustained attention, so the ability to maintain your attention over a period of time. And then also kind of attentional switching as well. So they're all game-based to try and be more engaging for children. They're adaptive, so they increase in difficulty. And the fact that they're digital means that children can do them at home, they can do them in the classroom. So more flexible in terms of how the intervention can be delivered. And did you find that doing those activities did improve the focus or attention of kids and did some work better than others? Yeah, so we found that in individuals who had intellectual disabilities, we saw improvements in selective attention, mm -hmm. so their ability to filter out distractions. Mm -hmm. We ran another trial in children who are typically developing, um, so primary school children, we ran that through schools and we saw a reduction in inattention and hyperactivity mm -hmm. in the classroom. So the general uh, thought process around, it's essentially called cognitive training, um, is that we can see improvements in the skills that we are directly training. So if we're, if we're training selective attention, mm -hmm. then we can see improvements in selective attention. Where we're not seeing great amounts of evidence is for far transfer. So if we're training selective attention, are we also going to see improvements in memory? Mm. And at the moment that we haven't got good evidence that we can do that with this type of intervention. So it's very targeted. Is there anything people can do to help, adults in particular, can do to help improve their focus? If they don't have access to your little fish game, um, what could someone like me do to improve their focus? So I think one of the things that's really important is to remove distraction when you are trying to focus. So that might be putting your phone away. It might be just having a time where you close the door and you're in a room on your own and you, you're minimising external distractions. We know that things like digital multitasking actually has a negative impact on our attention. And that's something that's rife in our work life these days. You know, we're in meetings and we're checking our emails on our phone. And, you know, there's a lot of switching between tasks. And we know that that can be detrimental. So it's much better to focus on one particular thing at a time. And we also know that lifestyle factors have an influence on our ability to attend. So really taking care of your mental health, um, taking part in physical exercise, trying to get as much sleep as possible. And we also know stress has a negative impact on our ability to attend. So as much as possible, trying to reduce our stress levels as well. I know if I'm in a meeting that's boring, instead of just sitting there going, oh, I'm bored, my brain's like, well, I might check my email. And so I wonder if it's the inability to sit in boredom 
that is impacting on my focus. That if I could just sit in it and go, yes, I'm bored, but I don't need to check if I've got any notifications on Instagram, if that would actually build that focus muscle. Yeah, I guess that's a difficult one because it's really hard. We, I guess we have more choice in what we can direct our attention right. to and other things to fill that space when we are bored. Yeah. But I think potentially if we didn't have those things, what else would we do? Like, would we just then daydream? Would we think about what we're having for dinner? Mm. So it's really hard to know that if you didn't have those options, where would you direct your attention? Yeah. Like inherently, if we find a task boring, our attention does naturally wane. It's just mm. whether we then direct that to something else or whether we just sit with that, I guess. And yeah. I guess, yeah, you're, you're kind of saying like, what is the what is the motivation for us to continue to be yeah. engaged? And it's really hard to do that when we don't find something interesting. The right. tasks that we will typically find that we can focus on for a long period of times are tasks that are inherently interesting to right. us. Humans can't uh, literally sit there doing particularly a monotonous task uh, for long periods of time without the attentional system starting to fatigue. Mark Belgrove is a professor in cognitive neuroscience and director of research at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health, School of Psychological Sciences at Monash University. Here he is with some tips on how to stay focused. And there are a whole range of things that will also impact on that. If you're in a warm room, if you're in a post-lunch dip, all these things will create a little perfect storm uh, for your attentional system and you'll find it very hard uh, to concentrate uh, for good lengths of time. So the solution is to do uh, smaller pieces, Mm. do smaller packets of work, take breaks, get up, have a a walk around, try to uh, free your environment from things I guess that you know distract you because it's very contextually dependent right Uh, some people will tell you they can do homework or work with music Um, some people will tell you they can't Uh, so that's an entirely uh, individual specific thing so those are you need to know yourself I guess uh, in that uh, scenario and know what works best for you Um, but you know definitely long periods sitting at a desk or in a lecture theatre at the back when you're more likely to nod off after after 20 minutes that's not that your attention system isn't designed and we know this we know the brain shuts down after periods we know you lose the ability to regulate your attention in what's called a a top-down way you exert control over your attention itself and we know that attention can be brought back by for example a loud clap Uh, if the old example where the teacher would have a big long wooden ruler and smack it on the the desk in front of a drowsy student, that actually serves quite an interesting purpose in that it's an external cue that reorients attention and it actually leads to a flooding of noradrenaline throughout the brain that alerts you, brings you back to focus and allows you to reset your attention. So attention actually is this really fascinating interaction between these bottom-up arousal systems in the brain that serve to regulate your attention and your ability to be able to control your focus from cortical regions in a top-down way. Uh, And it's this push and pull between those systems that's really critical. So what you're recommending is that we start hitting the desk with rulers a lot more often? (laughs) Absolutely not. That is what you heard. That's what I heard, everyone. But Um, but but let's be honest, for um, conditions where... 
Uh, there might be an acquired brain injury, for example, uh, like traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Folks with traumatic brain injury have profound attentional problems. One of the therapeutic um, options that is often trialled is what's using random alerting cues. Huh. So people like a bell will be ringing. engaged in a task. It might be a beep yeah. that alerts the system in exactly the same way as the ruler slapping down Come back. but not quite as aggressive. So what is sort of the reasonable amount of time? Is it the 25-minute Pomodoro <laughs> a pro, like that is that the kind of the amount of time the average person can have a sustained focus before they start to wander? Twenty minutes is probably pretty reasonable for 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 most things. Uh, kids with ADHD, their attention will cycle over a much shorter time frame than that. Uh, in my experience, I, if you're getting them to do a task that is engaging, uh, it, they can be okay for a little period. If it's a monotonous, boring task, you know, after five minutes, they would really have trouble. Mm. Uh, maintaining their focus. So I think it's about knowing your attention system, knowing it for yourself and your own uh, particular uh, style, what what drives it, what motivates it, um, and working within that, I think, mm. you know. But, of course, there are things that we can do at a more um, systemic level within our educational systems to help that. You know, long lectures aren't ever good, mm. um, in my opinion. When you think about it, we've always had distractions in our life. Is the secret just to focus on the things that matter? And so the key word for me is, is this relevant for me right now? Timber Hawkeye is an international public speaker and best-selling author of Buddhist Bootcamp. Because if I don't have that filter, I can stay focused on a YouTube video and get down that spiral. And before I know it, four hours pass, and that's not the best use of my time. So mindfulness combines everything you just said. It's the focus, it's the attention, it's the discernment, which I think is a very important distinction to make between discernment and judgment, but discerning, is this relevant for me right now? Because it may be interesting, it may be fascinating, it may be juicy gossip, but is this relevant? And if it's not, then maybe it's not the best use of my time, depending on what it is I'm trying to accomplish. And then you step away from right and wrong to, is this beneficial or is this detrimental? And that's I think what every every time you say the word discipline, uh, that's what comes to mind is this ability to shift and go, this is detrimental to my ultimate intention and this is beneficial to my ultimate intention. Whatever it is, when you're about to order something to eat, is this beneficial to my ultimate intention? When you're about to spend money, when you're about to start dating someone. You've had a lot of... Uh spiritual discipline training and I'm curious to know from you know the the great breadth and depth of the the training that you've had what have you learned that the average schmuck like me could learn um about how to actually improve our focus in your gps or sat nav whatever you guys call it over there uh (laughs) Uh, when you're driving and you're putting in directions on where you want to go, where you are, and you're trying to figure out where you are, you're getting oriented to where you are. Um, And you're on the road and you're to pretend in life we're going through things. And then we we make a wrong turn or we end up on a street or neighborhood or an exit where we don't want to be and we're lost and we're confused. And that happens to all of us in life, not just literally in a car, but in life. We we make a wrong turn. We date, we take the wrong job. We date the wrong person. Um, And I say wrong, meaning not conducive to the kind of life we want to lead. So 
um, detrimental as opposed to beneficial, not right versus wrong, um, just wrong for me right now. And so we all make those detours. So for me, having a grounding truth is like having a North Star. It's having home programmed in my GPS. So no matter where I am in life, no matter how confused I get, no matter how stressed I get, no matter what's going on, if I have that home button programmed that at any point I can just hit that and it'll just go recalculating and it'll just bring you right back on the path. So mindfulness makes us aware of why am I choosing what I'm choosing right now? In our previous episode, we spoke to mindfulness expert, Professor Craig Hassad, about the challenges of staying focused in a busy modern world. Here he is with some mindfulness tips on how to keep or maintain focus. What advice would you give, you know, beyond, you know, time away from the phone? Is there anything else people who um, want to improve their focus could do? Yeah. Well, complex multitasking is one of the modern myths and furfies. The human brain does not pay attention to two complex things at the same time. So don't complex multitask. Do one thing at a time. Um, uh, So prioritise your attention. Uh, You know, keep it simple. Practice some regular uh, mindfulness meditation. Mm. So, for example, uh, in the morning before you head off to work, you know, it's like taking the attention circuits in your brain to the gym whether it's just for five minutes or ten minutes, but it's a good way of stepping into the day in a more mindful way. Mm. But early in the evening as well, put some space between the working day and whatever you're going to do that night, for example. So, again, another five or ten-minute practice at that time. So they're like two full stops in your day, but you can also have lots of little commas punctuating your day, little spaces between one thing and another. So you might have just finished working on something and you're about to move on to the next thing. Well, just give yourself a little half minute, mm. just a little space, just to be present. <sighs> just focus on the breath in that yeah, moment. the mm-hmm. body, just noticing what's happening in the body. And you might notice tensions you weren't even aware that were there. You might just notice that the mind's distracted and thinking about something, just, just coming back to the present moment. Mm. So if you practice that, then what happens is, the informal practice of mindfulness kind of comes into play. That is, we start to become more aware of where our attention is when we're doing something. Oh, attention back to the road. Oh, come back to just tasting your food. Come back to hearing the person who's speaking to you. you know, so, so this sort of ability, because it, 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 every time your attention wanders and you notice and bring your attention gently back to where it needs to be at that moment. That's like one rep for the attention circuits mm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's their idea of exercise. But they're, they're so important because so many other things that we want to be able to do in day-to-day life depend on our ability to do that. So, so that's what I'd sort of recommend and to manage the technology well. Uh, just reduce the number of notifications and prioritise. You need all of those apps pinging away the whole time. Mind you, I am speaking as somebody who doesn't even have a mobile phone, so I've never had one. And <laughs> so, yeah. That's why you're so calm. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can manage my mental load better than most perhaps because um, there's a lot less coming in. But maybe that's the solution. Well, yeah, I, I always hesitate to say to people, you know, rather than put your phone down, um, open the window and throw it yeah. out of the window as far as you can. But um, for many people, and mind you, it can be a wonderful servant, but it's a tyrannical master and, and many people are not using it 
mm. perhaps well and things it's designed for. And um, But uh, we do need to manage the technology better these days. Mm. I think that's a very generous read. I think if we, I think in the future when we look back in time, we'll realise the introduction of the smartphone was the worst thing to happen to humanity. <laughs> but I can say that. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Craig, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure chatting. Sometimes in life we need to stop what we are doing and remind ourselves to focus on the things that matter, like subscribing to this podcast, for instance. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our guests and hopefully you've picked up some tips on how to maintain attention and keep focus. Thank you to all our guests on this series, Dr. Hannah Kirk, Professor Mark Belgrove, Professor Craig Hussard and Timber Hawkeye. For more information about their work, visit our show notes. We'll be back next week with a brand new topic to unpack. Thanks for listening to What Happens Next.